You cannot ignore Vicente Luque anymore. He just submitted a guy that was undefeated in the weight class. I'm not the kind of guy, you know, that make boring fights. I come in here, I put my heart out, and then I look to win. Vicente, the solid assassin, Luque! Dos Santos, what a legacy, and he adds to it here tonight. It's my return to Walter Wade. So happy I got the W. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Please tell me that's on video. I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. That's dangerous. Listen to me, we're out of here. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Welcome. Um, Matt and I are, are going to be joined today by the main event of, uh, I always like when we get the actual fighters from the card on the show. You know, it's sometimes it's harder to do. Uh, we're plugging uh, Luque versus Dos Anjos. Uh, that's uh, this Saturday, August the 12th in Las Vegas, uh, of course. Um, and uh, we, we have both of those guys on. We have uh, Vicente, I think, is first. And we have Rafael after that. Is Vicente in the waiting room? Yes, he is. We should bring him right in. He hasn't been around and uh, been on in a hot minute. No, he has not. He had dropped a couple of fights, and uh, I'm kind of curious how he's feeling about that. Yeah, that's your question. Sure. How how is he feeling? Like, what is he? What difference is he? Has he changed anything? It's a tough question, Jimmy. Why? I don't know. Hey, Vicente, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Good, and you? Good yeah, to see you again. We are, how are you feeling? I mean, you, you had you come off your first stoppage. Did, did it change anything in your training leading up to this fight? Or did you say, like, all right, this is something I, I kind of need to fix? Yeah, definitely. It did change uh, a lot of things. I think that, like, my vision of sparring train changed a little bit. I always was a guy that sparred a lot. And now I feel like maybe when I don't have a fight, I don't need to spar that much. Ooh. And what that gave me is more time to focus on technical work on just improving my footwork my abilities my my head movement and all that so yeah so it changed it changed quite a bit so you're one i'm sorry jimmy you're one of those guys that you like to just in the past just get your sparring in because that's fighting you should just like to get a lot of rounds in even in the yeah. offseason yeah. yeah 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 i always i always like usually i would take two weeks off and then the first training I would get back to after a fight was sparring. And then I would only go to sparring because I have fun. You know, sparring has always been fun for me. But but now I realize, like, maybe I don't need to spar that much. Like, if I put it down on a paper, I, I don't know. I have so many hours of sparring already. I have that experience. Now I got to, you know, give some more time to my technical development. That's interesting you say that too, because a lot of guys who who slow down on sparring, a lot of them do it just because of the injuries and the damage. But for you, it wasn't that; it was only time spent doing that. It could be time better spent doing something else. Yeah, yeah, I, and I did feel like so. The first, the first choice was okay. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna focus more on technical work. So that was the main thing. But then after, you know, a, a while doing that, then I realized, like, my body was much healthier. Like, my my shins, my hands, 
Like I didn't have those little pains that I had gotten used to already. Like, oh, this is just what it is. You know, we fight, we're going to have pain. But after a while, I was like, okay, my body's healthier. And then once, like once I'm in training camp, then I spar. But still, it's it's much more like a focus for the fight, much more technical than it used to be. And And once I got back to sparring, I thought before, like, maybe, okay, I'm not going to, you know, have the timing and all that. And and no, it, I actually was even better, I would say, because I was, you know, healthy. My body felt good to go and spar so I, I could go, you know, and, and really uh, spar healthy, like like if I were going to fight. But obviously, like, with with more, with not as hard as a fight. Now, when you recover, are you a big... Uh... I know it's the latest craze. Are you a big ice plunge guy or no? I'm not big, but I, I do like it. We have it at Kilcliffe. We have a, an ice plunge. So I'll try to go at least two times a week. Uh, but I'm not like, it's not something I like. It's not something that I'm looking forward to. And I don't hate it. Like I, I can get in there and I'm not like going crazy about how cold it is. I know how to, how to let's say, how to like control myself in that in that point but i just maybe because it's in a way easy for me to get in i kind of like get bored and i'm like why am i gonna go into this cold willingly just so you know get some recovery is does it really recover that much but like once it's like once i'm training a lot it does really make a difference so i try to get in two times a week and i do feel like the benefit on the body how long do you do for? I mean, you're the you're the first guy I've heard say he gets bored in the ice bath. Everyone else dreads it and hates it, and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's cold, but fuck, it's boring. H how long do you sit there for? So there, like, it's not that the one we have at Kilcliffe is probably like, like I don't know, like 48, 48, something like that. It's not the one of the coldest ones. I'll stay there for ten minutes. It's just okay. Really, yeah. Have you done Have you done cryotherapy? Does that help at all in recovery? I've done it, but not a, not so much. Like I think it it's all about constant. So if you do it like every week, multiple times, I imagine it would help. But I haven't done it that much. I've done it like like once in a month, and then after two months, I did it again. So I didn't feel it much, but I imagine if you do it all the time, yeah. Now fighting RDA, I mean, he's such a well-rounded individual, and. What, what people sleep on, I think, sometimes is his um is his jujitsu. I don't. I think that I feel. I really feel they do. I think they that sometimes they get caught up because he's such a he's a dynamic striker. I mean, his last win with Barbarena was a sub in the second round. Uh obviously, I know you're, you're a mixed martial artist. You prepare for, prepare for everything, but do you feel if things are all even on the feet or close to it? Do you think he's going to be going that path of trying to get you to the floor? Is that something that you're uh, you're leaning towards? Because that's what I'm leaning towards. I think. He'd be doing yeah, that. I mean, uh, I definitely see Rafael as you know a real MMA fighter. He does everything, and he does anything that he sees that is going to be the path of his victory, and he does it with a lot of intensity. So yeah, I definitely imagine that at some point we're going to be in the cage. You know, him maybe trying to get me down, wear me out. Uh, at some point, I imagine he might take me down. And then we're going to have to work that ground game and that grappling. And it's just a fight that is going to be really dynamic in my mind. And that's how I got ready for it, you know. And uh, I think that that was one of the big changes 
in my career now, just focusing on all my weapons. I am a black belt in jiu-jitsu and lucha libre, so that also has always been one of my good tools. And now in Florida, I'm living in Florida full-time. I got to train a lot with Cyborg, a lot with Wagner Rocha, which are beasts, you know, so oh, yeah. just getting that that extra uh, sharpness in my grappling, especially fighting a guy like Rafael dos Anjos, who is such a beast in the ground game. Wasn't your first... UFC fight on on wasn't it uh, the night of Dos Anjos Cowboy? Wasn't, isn't that the same night they fought? Was your first? I mean, I know you had fought. I think uh, was a that was, that was my second fight. That was when I fought Haider Hassan. Yeah, in Orlando. That was my second fight in the UFC. The first fight was uh, uh was the Ultimate Fighter. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Right, the Thompson fight. and Ellenberger. Um, and is it weird to be fighting a guy you've been watching for so many years since you came into the league? Have you had that yet? Have you fought anybody who you kind of like obviously would have looked up to at one point? Yeah, I fought Thompson and I fought Woodley. They were two guys that I used to watch before I was in the UFC. And and Woodley, obviously a former champion. So that, that was really special. And Rafael, I think it's even more special because me growing in Brazil, representing Brazil, you know, it's it's just a guy that I've always looked up to, especially like once he got into the UFC right away, he wasn't a superstar. He had some struggles in the beginning. He overcame that, became a great champion, then had a run, you know, for the title at, at welterweight. He he fought for the interim title. So for me, it's always a kind of a guy that I've, I've looked up to. I've admired his career. And now I get to fight that guy. And I just think that that's, you know, it's not weird for me. It's it's what it's part of you know fulfilling our dream i think that in a moment we're going to start fighting with those guys that we admired and and now i'm leaving this moment so it's it's an honor for me well i mean listen you're still a young young guy i'm looking here you're 31 years old you know i'm i'm not calling rda old but right. if i was your, if i was your coach and it's between like like the, the, the fourth and fifth round, and it's getting hairy. I'm gonna say, Luke, it's a fucking 40-year-old. Get that old motherfucker. No, that's the route <laughs> I would go. I would go that you're fighting a guy approaching 40. So I mean, is that in the back of your mind when you're knowing it's a if it's a fucking war? Hey man, you 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 should have some more in the fucking tank than this guy. He's approaching 40. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that. Now, at this point in my career, I'm starting to see the fight like for all all that that you can see. And that's one of the facts, you know, definitely he's the older guy. I'm going to have the advantage. He's also the lighter guy. You know, he's used to be fighting 155. Right. I fought all my life at 170. So I also think I'm going to be the bigger man in there. So that's that. These are things that I'm definitely going to try to take advantage of. I'm not going to say it's the key of the fight. That's it. You know, there is more to it, but definitely it's an advantage. And, yeah, I'm going to be looking to pressure him. He's a guy that has fought five rounds many times, so yeah. I think he feels that he's used to that. But I'm a guy, like, I grow in the fight. Every round I get better. I fought five rounds once, and I felt really good, you know. Physically, I, I, I don't think it was a problem. I, I could have kept on fighting more rounds. So definitely I'm going to go out there and try to pressure him and and – that's why I, I envision such an action-packed fight. You know, the two of our styles, I mean, it, it's a great matchup. And you mentioned him going up in weight. Have you fought anyone else that's come up or gone down in weight? Like, that you, where you notice something different about them than other guys in the division? Yeah, I, I fought, uh, that I remember, that was that is a 155er, Jalen Turner. 
And I also the other guy that I fought in Chile, Chad Laprise. So both of them used to be 155ers. I mean, Jalen is still a 155er, and, but he went up to fight me. And yeah, what I did feel is that I think they were a little bit surprised with the power I have. And I ended up knocking both of them out in the first round. But Rafael is a, is a guy that is really experienced. So I think that I wouldn't call it a first round knockout just because he knows the ways, he knows the paths where to stay out of that danger. If I connect something, maybe, you know, but I think it's going to be a longer of a fight. And, but I do believe I can finish him. I do believe I have the power. I have the skill either submit him or knock him out. Yeah. And what do you think his strategy against you is going to be? Like Matt said, do you think he's going to want to stand there uh, and, and prove something on his feet? Or do you think he's going to want to try to take it down? Man, I, I think he's too experienced and too of like, he has a, a really good fight IQ. I don't think he's going to try to prove anything. I think he's going to try to go in there and, and get a, a big win against me. Because if you look at, at the cards he has is like, Man, he, he's an older, older guy, but beating a guy like me can put him back into a maybe, you know, a, a, a crazy run for the title now that the welterweight division, you know, has a new champion and, and everything's moving around. So I think that he's going to try to capitalize on, on beating me wherever he can. And what I think that is, is to, yeah, start off filling it out, maybe, you know, try out the striking, see how it goes. But eventually he will try to, you know, wear me out, uh, use that grappling, use that wrestling, try to put some shots, maybe hurt me, maybe cut me. And that's that's what I see of him, you know, because he's got so many tools and why not try to use them all against me and, and little by little break me down. And that's what I got ready for and, and try to surprise him with not letting him do that. You're right. He is too smart to try to, especially going up and, and fighting a guy heavier who's obviously used to fighting at 170, he is too smart to feel like he needs to to do something that wouldn't be wouldn't be helpful to winning the fight just to prove something. Uh, yeah, he's a guy who knows that uh, it, winning however he's got to win is the important thing. And when you fight a guy who's fought that many main events, that many high-profile fights, um, is it harder to, to kind of say, all right, what is my strategy against this guy? Because he's seen everything. Yeah, I mean, I think that what what I've seen now is like it, it's hard to – we cannot really anticipate what the guy's going to do, what the guy's going to think. And so many things are, are going on. Like we're cutting weight, and the weight cuts can go good or they can go, go bad. Uh, training before a fight can go good, can go bad. So there are so many uh, different variables on this that what I try to focus more is what I'm going to do uh, because that's really what I can control. And what I can control is, first, I, I studied him, you know, and, and me and my coaches, uh, Henry and all the guys at Killcliffe, also Daniel Mendes is a guy that has been helping me a lot now. And we've done a lot of study on, on Rafael, and we got ready for those things that he, he does the most often, let's say. But with that said, now, what is Luke going to do? What is Vicente going to go in there? And, and how is he going to dominate this former champion, this guy that has so much experience? That's what I focus on. That's what I really uh, try to develop most so that I can go in there confident that I'm going to dictate the space and I'm going to I'm going to go out there and I'm going to dig this win, you know, bring this win to me, because that's that's what we do as fighters. I mean, I, I'm not going to be trying to predict what he's going to do. I'm going to go out there and, and earn it. 
Yeah, and you were supposed to fight originally in July. Why was this moved back to August? So all that was but because of my last fight. Uh, I was originally suspended for six months. Uh, but that, but then later when we got the fight in July, we found out that Vegas had extended that to a full year. So it had to oh. be moved to August 12th. But, but anyway, I got cleared and everything was good. You know, okay. And I'm hundred percent ready to go. Hey, Luke, let me ask you, what are you, and what are you streaming? What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you doing on the day off? Give us something. Give us some of your hobbies. So first thing I'm going to say that I'm, I'm streaming and watching my YouTube channel because now I have a YouTube channel and and there I'm sharing a lot of that. You know, uh, I'm a car guy. I really like cars. I recently bought, bought myself. I moved to Florida recently and then fulfilled the dream of having a Mustang GT. So I have a Mustang now and it's awesome. And that's that's a lot that I'm trying to share, you know, on my YouTube channel, also my Instagram and just share a little bit of more of what I do. I cook, I bake bread. So that's another video I put on YouTube, sourdough bread. And oh. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I know that I know that you're Italian. You love I do. Bread as well. Yes, you yes, eat yes. That? You you have a you so you have in your house like a special oven, or is it just a regular no, oven? No, it's just regular oven, but the thing is the the sourdough starter, so the yeast is is that. I made it out of scratch and I've been keeping it like and, and feeding it since 2019. So it's kind of like really like uh, manual work, you know, very, very like artistic work. It's nice. I like it. And then I can do put designs on the bread. And it's those big, big loaves of bread, you know, rough outside, but soft on the inside. With that yeah. little like the, yeah. <laughs> I, do also, I also do like sourdough pizza. I try to go Neapolitan style. Yeah. I'm not. I'm still not at the level of making a video, but I'm. I'm getting there. When I'm good, I'll put out a video of that sourdough pizza. Oh, yeah. my. it's amazing. My yeah. friend uh, is a comedian named Tom Papa, and he's a really big guy. And like he's had the same. Uh, what do you call it? The things that you make the sourdough from the the spores. The yeah, whatever it is, it's like Levan. Some people call it Levan. It's the, yeah, different names for it. Don't they get very old? Like you can have them for years and years and years. Yes. Yeah. So, so in France, Italy as well, they have some that are over a hundred years. And what they say is like the more, uh, the more the years go by, like it gets, it's more and more special. Like the taste, you know, really, really complex. Because what it is is like, it's it's like microorganism of the environment so the one that you have like in italy will only taste the way it tastes in italy and the one you have in the u.s will only taste the way it tastes in the u.s because it, it feeds from the environment as well from the oxygen of, of the environment so what do you do do you save a little and it just grows how does how do, how do you get something 100 years old to not run out so you every time i i bake i have to save at least 50 grams and with these 50 grams I feed it with flour and water, and then it makes more of it. So it, it, it feeds from that and it grows. And then it's just like the culture of, of you feed it again, then take a little bit to make your bread, keep a little bit in the fridge for next week. Is that, do you, now does it grow in the fridge or does it grow outside? Outside, outside. The fridge is kind of like to keep it alive for longer. Outside is where like you feed it and then it's doing its thing. It's, it's kind of living. And, and feeding and growing 
when you put it in the fridge, it kind of stops all of that. So it's like if it were in, like to sleep. So that's why you could keep it for a whole week without feeding it. If I didn't put it in the fridge, I would have to feed it every day. Oh. So it wouldn't die. Yeah. Yeah, that's so weird that bread is living like that just freaks me out that's so bizarre you have these spores growing now what do you do have you ever been away for more than a week and panicked that nobody was gonna be able to feed your bread no i actually found out like there are different techniques to keep it for longer so one you can you can freeze it oh and it will last but then the thing is like you have to stay at least three days feeding it outside of the fridge it needs like more food when you do that and there, there's another thing that i've never tried out but i've seen they dry it out so they'll they'll kind of put it on a parchment paper take it to the sun dry it out and then you can freeze that and then that you can bring it back to life so it's it's kind of crazy yeah That's so yeah isn't that nuts that it's it really is living i just ugh, I, don't, yeah. I don't like to know that it bothers me no but it's man we, we eat you you eat meat steaks yeah, that's I do. That's true. Too. It is delicious. Yeah, that, it is. Yeah, and you're right. Everything in reality, everything, even vegetables are living. So, yeah, that's that's life feeds from life. There's you're no right. other way. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. Just the idea of growing bread, uh, <laughs> it just drives me nuts. But I mean, it tastes good. So, um, and it's nice to have a hobby outside of fighting, right? Like cars is an expensive hobby. That's yeah. a really expensive. Um, Brian Johnson from ACDC, if you've ever seen his car collection, yeah, Jay Leno has a legendary like Leno's airplane YouTube. hanger. Yeah. I love Leno's YouTube channel when he does that, like reviews of cars and everything is really nice. It's crazy. His collection. Yeah. Yeah. He uses a 3d printer like once in a while. Cause Jake will go get old parts. And there's, if there's one that he can't like impossible to find, I think he'll make it on a 3d printer. If that's the only way to do it yeah yeah and it's nice because that's that's the crazy thing about technology now you can really keep these cars pristine and like really true to what it used to be back in the days what's your dream car like if you could have one if you could if you had the money and you're like i can get whatever i want what would you get it's hard for me to only have one so right uh the mustang has always been a dream car as a kid another kid dream car is uh Ferrari. So there are many different ones, but the 355 is just because like it's the it's the one that when I was a little kid, I loose, used to look at it and I say, man, this car is amazing. So it's like that poster car for me. But one that is more like after I was older and already kind of knew more about cars, I'm really into Japanese cars. So Toyota Supra, the Mark IV. And that's a car that used to back in the days, it was like New, it was $35,000, I think. And now they are over $100,000, like the, the really low mileage one. So that that's the real like dream car, Mark IV Toyota Supra. Now, being a, I'm sorry, Jimmy, being that's a car right. guy and you are a man of action, like Jimmy, like me and Jimmy, right? Jimmy, a man yes, of action. Uh, man of action. Yes. yes, Jimmy, Jimmy, a man of action. Do it, Jimmy. Do it. Okay. Oh, you don't have to do it. Yeah, I don't I'm want to call my beverage. A man of action. The, yeah. the point is, do you like the Fast and Furious movies? Man, I'm going to tell you, I do like them, but it's it's kind of like a feeling. I love the first ones. The first three okay. for me are the best. And now it's more like of, of the like I have for it is supporting the franchise that kind of got me into cars, you know, that I got, you. Oh. got me into that. So it's kind of like a, 
I, I love it just because it, it still brings me back to those times yeah. when like the Fast and Furious one and the, the three, the Tokyo Drift, because I love drifting. Like I really, I really, I like my love for cars is not only like the physical thing. I also like to do it, you know, so I do go drifting. I do go to racetracks and I've, I have put in Brazil, I built a race car. So my first car ever is a Toyota Corolla 1999. And now it's a full-on race car. So it has a cage, no seats, only two race bucket seats, oh. uh, full suspension, engine, everything. I, I did it all for, for the track. So, yeah, I do like the movies. And especially like that, you know, I try to – now it's more about supporting uh, that idea that the first movies came out there, you know, of, of just, you know, having the cars and how the cars connect the people. And then you get to know people that, you know, appreciate the same things and, and just have a nice community and, and nice friendships. Do you watch racing? I can't like, what, like, would you want to go to Formula One and watch that? Yeah, I would love it. I would love it. I, I have like in the past, I, I used to watch every race that when I was a kid, I used to love it. Now I don't watch it as much, but I do watch once in a while. I, I watch some races and per, I've never been physically to to a formula one race but i would love to i've been watching a lot of like stock cars i've been personally there in brazil i've gone to stock cars it's pretty similar to nascar just the brazilian version of it and it's pretty fun and i've been to other kind of races like formula but not one but other formula racing i have fun yeah i like i like to go all kinds of racing rally also i love rally very interesting guy. I mean, uh, cars and fighting are such adrenaline drives, both right. dangerous. I mean, if you do race and then making bread is just such a peaceful, quiet my meditation. Balance. Yeah. It's a like balance. balance. Well, Vicente, look, great luck on, on Saturday. Uh, you fight. It's a great fight. You, you and uh, Dos Andres. I mean, that's an incredible main event. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how this last year has been for you. And you're always so exciting when you fight. So uh good luck on saturday we hope you have a great fight thanks guys i appreciate it and yeah saturday i can man i can tell you guys it's gonna be a fun one two beasts two legends fighting in there yep. and you know it's, i'm gonna have fun that's what i can tell you but i have and fun they, and after i'm gonna have pizza and bread <laughs> oh, I, oh my goodness i'm so hungry with that uh what's your youtube channel again yes so vicente luke so my name, yeah. Is it Luke at, at Luke Vicente or is it Vicente Luque? I'm, I'm, was I looking no, at the right? No, it's, it's Vicente Luque. It might be Vicente Luque MMA, but I think it's just Vicente Luque. Let, yeah, let me look this it. up before we go. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I want some of that sourdough right out of the oven where you open it up. I know. The steam is coming out. And I just, I would just empty it. I gut it out like a bad kid. That's, that's what my wife goes crazy about because I tell her like, Technically, for the sourdough to be perfect, yes. you have to wait 40 minutes for it to cool off because it's still kind of cooking inside. But you can eat it off right away. But then the the then like it's you gotta eat it all. You gotta finish yes. it because then you finish it and then the, the leftovers are not gonna get hard. If you break it right away and there is leftovers, those leftovers are gonna kind of get hard, too harsh, you know. So if you want to keep know. the bread for longer. Wait 40 minutes and then cut it. If you're going to eat it all, eat it hot. It's okay. Butter, some butter on it, and ooh, olive oil, olive oil. 
dip it in yeah. the marinara sauce. A little salt. Yeah, yeah. That's the is this your channel? Is this your channel, uh, Vicente? The first thing on the top is Fight Camp, uh, Luque versus Dos Anjos, episode yes. two. Yes. Okay, yes. that is the so one. This okay, week, I have a whole series going on of one week of training camp that I recorded. And just so guys can see what, what it's like for me, a, a, a full week of training camp. All right. Well, listen. It's uh, yeah. Go go check out if you if you look up Vicente Luque on YouTube, the channel comes up pretty quickly. So, uh, go and watch that and and support uh, Vicente's uh, YouTube channel. It's great talking to you again, man. And uh, we'll see you again soon. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Okay, Thanks, buddy. Take Vicente. care. Take care, bro. Be well. Thank you. I do. All I'm thinking about Tom Papa, a very funny comic. He's uh he's uh the, the host of the Netflix's a comedy podcast with Fortune uh, Five Star. I think they still host it together. And Tom is a fucking huge uh, bread maker. Like he he knows a lot about it, and he's supposedly very good. He's never made me any bread, unfortunately. But I would love to shove some into my fat face right Man, now. Dude, I think you do a sh- every day. Those I'm not into those Fast and Furious movies. I can't stand. Nah, they not- stink. And then everything, and all you do is here now. Every time you I do a shot, every time uh, Vin Diesel says "family," yeah. How does he, how does he sound? We're family. Ah, family. Group. We're that family. good? We're family. He always, like a, he always acts like a tough guy. That guy. We're, yeah. we're family. Oh, speaking of tough we're family, guy, he doesn't. Say, that's not him at all. It is him. Do it again. Let me see. I'll close my eyes. Let me listen. We're family. <laughs> anyway, Jimmy, Jimmy, uh, what I've been watching, what's it called again? I can't go look now, but it's the, it's the Hercules movie with uh, with The Rock. I don't know what it was, but it's, why are you smiling? Because I just, are you smiling you said, at your own little no, joke? no, 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 because you said, uh, I'm watching, what is that called? And it was just so many options <laughs> to say. I thought of animal porn. <laughs> I was just I know, I wasn't asking, I was just asking myself. It was very rhetorical, it yeah. It wasn't for me to answer. But the point is this, it's, a, it's like a, it's one of those, there's a little bit of a twist in it, but it's like, um, it's the old fashioned help our village type of thing. We sure. need some warriors and, and, and Hercules, like, it's Hercules. It's the guy from Deadwood. He's good. I don't know that guy's name, but he's really good. Uh, and then some other actors. But I'll tell you, I don't know when it came out. It's a while ago, I think, before The Rock really became like. Yeah. But it's a fun little romp. Did he play Hercules or no? Yes. I didn't. Didn't Schwarzenegger play him Hercules, too? Hercules, 2014. Oh, 2014. So it's I like, thought Arnold played him too. No, he played Hercules. Yeah, but he did that in like. Er, that's no, he played Conan the Barbarian. Yes, uh, starring The Rock. Actor's name and the actor's name from Deadwood is is Mc, is he, Ian, Ian McShane. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's good in everything. Even yeah, they're in, all good. Even in the new Hellboy, which had some good moments in it, but it just did not. It wasn't as good as the uh, Del Torrio's one. Oh, it sounds awful. I mean, I just I, I don't like Hellboy. Jimmy, I really got to take a shit in a bucket and bring it to that lab because my stomach is really not good lately, buddy. What do you think it is? Is it? Is it? Uh, well, you you I'm probably of colitis. So okay. Do you have um, diverticulitis? I had a little bit of that. 
Are you eating like no seeds, no nuts? Are you eating properly? Uh, what do you mean properly? Meaning not have, like avoiding the stuff I you have, have to avoid. On a protein bar. Those bad. are both probably have little seeds in them. Dude, what are you talking about? For diverticulitis, you got to avoid little seedlings. And I, I, cause a friend of mine has it. And he said that you can't eat anything that has like those little teeny things that can get caught in the pocket. I Ask your doctor. Jimmy, if you went in one of those cold plunges and I plucked you out, you look like a little skinless bird with all his feathers plucked, and I could picture you. Like, and I put a little, little blanket on you, and then I start. I'd feed you. I'd, I'd put a little. I'd stand. I'd go in your mouth. No, I wouldn't care for that, Jimmy. So anyway, yes. what? Like, so go to the doctor, Matt. Get it. You got to get looked at. I, Jimmy. They looked at my ass many, many times. And have they looked at your stomach? Can I tell you, Longo's a little nervous. Should I say that out loud? He's getting, he's getting a hip replacement. Oh, yeah, of course. At the end of the month. And he's asking me about, like, yo, man, like, God, they do anything for, like, the anxiety and shit? Like, he's, he's, like, he's, like, really, like, I go, Longo, man, I wasn't nervous. I go, I, got, I think he's getting nervous about getting put to like, put the stuff, put the stuff. Oh, yeah. You know? Do you get nervous about that? Every and time I go in, I hope it ends like Joan Rivers. I'm like, this would be a great way out. I just go doing? to she died on uh, getting surgery. She just, what? she was having a, a facelift or nothing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a facelift. And she just, you know, she was 81. She went in and she just never came out. Um, okay, so you, you, you never, you never see it coming. Right. But no, good. you know what, dude, I don't, I get put out when I have my, uh, I had my nasal stuff done recently and they knocked me out and, um, I, I'm getting a colonoscopy. I don't give a fuck. I'm always fine Ooh. with it. Knock me out. You ever get that before? The colonoscopy? I've gotten it before. I'm getting another one just to, again, for health reasons, just to be on top of it. I got three or four. I lose count. Was it a doctor's office or just a friend? I go, listen, give me a hand. I'll <laughs> check that out. <laughs> Jimmy, it's not good. But I've uh, gotten two. I've gotten two, and I don't mind being. Tell Longo to relax. Paul Stanley from his Kiss had a, a hip replacement, and he's still doing shows and platform heels. Ray will be fine. Whatever's wrong with his hip will be fixed. I mean, he can't. I know. I go, Longo, come on, man. You've been having trouble riding your bicycle like the way you ride the you ride a bike around town. I gotta start when he goes on his bike rides. I gotta go find him and fucking heckle him. What is it about? Did Ray hurt his hip uh, through yeah, sports or through fights? No, I think it's the fact that he's sixty-five. Yeah, he's not. A, he's not a, I can't believe my best friend's sixty-five. You know, my other best friend. Jimmy. I understand. Don't get jelly. Oh no, I get jelly when I say. I that. didn't care for that. Okay, ah, uh, but my <laughs> point is that it scares me, man. I remember one time I was with Dana and we were in Vegas and we were just talking about some shit. And I mean, he goes, yo, he goes, the last 10 years went like that. Yeah. Like that. And I'm thinking about it and I'm seeing things from 10 years ago. And I'm like, wow, that did go kind of fast. It did go fast. Yeah. You know? So I'm approaching 50. Soon yep. be, if it goes that quick, I'll be approaching 60. I'm 55. I think of it all the time. But yeah, it beats being, I know Sorry. so many people that died young and I'm like, they never got to be 50. They never got to be 55. So, all right. I hope, I'm not saying I, I listen. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I thumbs up, Matt. Because I think just, we have RDA in the room. We do have. One more champ. Yes. If we didn't, if you just gave me those thumbs up to be a prick. I fucking. No, I can't do that because then you'll never believe them.
Jarius. How you doing, sir? How are doing you? Good about you guys? Doing very well. We're doing great. We're excited. We're excited for your for your fight. Um, hey, Thank you. Congrats, congrats on your last one. Now, listen, you're such a well-rounded mixed martial artist, but as a jiu-jitsu man, and listen, I got my title with my fist too, but as a jiu-jitsu man, I love watching your jiu-jitsu. I love watching it. <laughs> that was great. And when they talk about, well, well, you know, RDA was a champ at 150. He's fighting up 170. He's, you know, I'm bigger. I believe your jujitsu is that great, great equalizer when they start saying that stuff. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it, man. How do you feel going up in weight? Is is it like a little easier because you don't have to cut right before the fight for you too? Yeah. Uh, for 170, it's a bit easier, but I still have to cut some weight. Um... Uh, for 55 was too hard, too hard, you know, especially once you get older. Uh, I think, like, to, for me, for myself to perform at my best, I think uh, uh, 17 would be, if we had 165, it would be even better, but at 17 is good. That was, I, that was, I was always a tweener. I fought at 155, I fought at 170, but I'm 5'6. I know I'm wide. But I'm five six. This guy's in there. This guy's like fighting one fifty five. That are like six one. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I always thought that if they had like a one sixty or a one sixty five, oh, that would have been so great. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Like it, it makes sense because if we like we have twenty five, thirty five, forty five, fifty five, one seventy. So why not sixty five? And going up by 10, you know, I, I think that would be uh, a good idea. But looks like we're not going to have it anytime soon. Exactly. I'm, su I'm surprised because you could have a whole new crop of rivalries, a new champion, a new weight division champion. I think it'll be really exciting. Um, and I'm interested in the fact that you, in the Guida fight, you had your jaw broken. And there's titanium, your jaw is titanium fused. Do you think guys have really hurt their hands on your jaw? Oh, yeah. I, uh, Man, it it was a tough moment of my career when I when I broke my 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 jaw. You know, like I kept fighting, but uh, uh, I put some like I had two plates over here and two more over here, and yeah, it. Um, uh, uh, um, I, I think one guy has broke his hand on my jaw once. I think Glaso Tebow. <laughs> And how long were you? Because uh, I, I'm so afraid of a broken jaw because I, I don't like to breathe just through my nose. I'm a little claustrophobic. How long was your jaw wired shut? Yeah, it, it was wired shut for 17 days, right? By the time I got to Brazil, <laughs> uh, I got a very hard throat infection, which I had to take antibiotic. And I met a doctor there, a good friend of mine. He's also a black belt. We trained with us in Brazil, and he came to my house, and um, uh, the surgery that he did, they shut my mouth, and they put only one titanium piece over here. And he said, hey, Hafa, if you want to keep fighting, if, you wanna, if you're going to go get punched again in the face, I'll redo the whole surgery. And oh, we redone. We, we, we redo the whole thing because... I don't know if the insurance want to try to save money. They put only one titanium plate over here, and they put bone to bone over here. But I kept, I kept feeling that thing moving the whole time, mm -hmm. you know, even with my mouth shut. And uh, he said, hey, man, let me do it. And you have to care of everything. And uh, I, read, I redid the surgery seven days, 17 days later.
Oh my God. So you were in 17 days. And how long was it wired shut after that? It was like six weeks. I, I got out of, I got out of the hospital without wire in my mouth right away, right away. My how doctor, my doctor in Brazil told me they have not done this type of surgery with the wire shut since the eighties. Wow. Wait. What? I don't get that either. Yeah. 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 yeah that, that's why he told me, uh, I don't know what type of surgery they did on you. We don't use the wire shirt anymore. No, no, I never had it, but I'm just afraid of it. Like I've seen guys that are talking like that. And I'm like, I, so you basically just have to take care of it, but they send you out without your jaws wired shut. Yeah, yeah. The, after the surgery in Brazil, they put an extra two plates over here, 20 screws, and another extra plate over here. And uh, and I got out of the hospital. Uh, I, I ate rice on the same day. Wow. Is it because yeah. of how your jaw was broken? I mean, that sounds like you had a pretty badly broken jaw. Yeah, it was a pretty badly. Right here, I had the, the type of fracture that called it, it make an island because it came down and make a Y. So I had a, a, a piece loose over here. It was, was pretty bad, but it was nasty. I thought my career was done over there. Oh, now, after, after that, and then you get these operations how soon do you trust yourself in sparring? You're like, all right, now it's time to get hit again. After all, I'm sure going through it, you might be thinking, I can never get hit again. I got a fucking island in my mouth. When it does get healed, baby steps? Are you playing in the beginning? How soon until you're, because now you're fighting. You're fighting like it never happened. So how soon until you're able to do some sparring again after that? Yeah, I remember... It took me about 10 to 11 months to fight again, to wow. fight again. I had a oh. fight, but it took me probably four months to feel like confident, you know, for the, the you know, the, the whole, like, because it was swelling, for the swelling to come down, uh, to feel like normal. Uh, uh, like when you look, you could see my mouth was a swell. Like it took four oh. months to like, to, to, to the swelling go away four to five months and for sparring it took me like maybe six seven months and uh yeah it was pretty hard man was, that's a, was, long, was, a long yeah. time a long time when this is your career and you're thinking yeah. man am i it's every month that goes by you're probably thinking man am i ever able to get back and right? the abuse doesn't stop right the, yeah, exactly the abuse kept coming. Yeah. i had kids wow. and uh Dude. and i had to fight with them months after you know like a uh, good opportunity came up, and then I fought George Sotiropoulos on my comeback, oh. and I knocked him out. Nice. Oh, I know, I know that guy too. And listen, you could put titanium, you could put fucking what's that antinamium from Wolverine's body. Some guys aren't gonna have any chin. So oh, listen, yeah. that guy had no chin from back then. A strong wind would fucking. Is it amazing? <laughs> some, sorry, Jimmy. Isn't it amazing how some guys they can. Take a punch and other guys. That guy, George, was on my ultimate fighter. He was on my team. He uh -huh. trained like such an he was such a to the point training. The poor the poor son of a bitch. He had no chin. He just had really so I mean that's such a shame when everybody could have a lot of attributes, the right go attitude, but yet they're not blessed with taking a punch. You yeah. know, that that's something that you can't train. Exactly. Right. And sometimes like when someone's not blessed with power, uh, you could develop it. Some guys are blessed with power. But when you don't have a chin, 
Yeah, I think you got to think of a different sport. Same thing when you don't have a heart. If you don't yes. have a heart, that's not something trainable. Man, if you, you're born like that. If you have, that's you have. Right. If you don't, you're not going to make it. And I was that's just looking true. back at your record, too. I, I didn't realize that was 2010, that that Guida fight was so many years ago. You were only two years into your UFC career at that point. So, that yeah, that must have been scary because, you know, you didn't have all of those years of UFC fighting behind you. You still had a lot of your best fights in front of you. Oh, yeah. It, it was uh, pretty hard. Like I said, I thought my career was over, you know, and uh, I thought my career was over. I was really scared. But, you know, uh, um, having a family, having to provide for them, you know, I wasn't make good money at that time. It was like, you know, I was, you know, making a fight. By the time I get home, pay all the bills. OK, let's book another one. You know, like that. that's how I was living. And uh, but, you know, I had to go through that and, and to be who I am today. And, when, and you, whenever, oh, go ahead, Jimmy. No, 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 Matt, you go, buddy. I was just going to ask, because like I mentioned before, I, I, I really enjoy your um, your jujitsu and I enjoy it in the octagon because even though I'm a jujitsu guy, as far as competitions goes, I watch here and there. But I love you. I love it. Watched in combat like i love it watched in the cage you know what i mean that's uh -huh. the ultimate, that's the ultimate proving ground but you know when you're done when you do walk away from this crazy sport would you think about jumping back into some grappling matches some guys are doing it at the same time because i remember you did one and you kind of got screwed because i remember i read the results and i go oh well that's interesting and you went for a donald cerrone and then i watched the match and then I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is why some of these grappling competitions, if you just hear the result and you don't watch, you, you don't know what the hell's going on. In some of these tournaments, Jimmy, there's no points being scored. So if they go to an overtime, you got to start in a bad position. Whether right. that, That's really bad. That's it's really horrible. Bad. It's not good because the great Hicks and Gracie once said, he was asked about this, the EBI rules, and they asked him, what do you think about this? He's like, well, it's all great, but you didn't conquer that position. Like you, you yep. didn't, you didn't, you didn't like cowboy when he went versus cowboy. I watched it. Now the first like whatever ten minutes, RDA is doing some awesome shit. I'm looking yeah. at the the hooks and the fucking. I'm just oh, but there's no points being scored. So then yeah. afterwards you get start in an arm lock when it was one premature and then one getting caught. But I'm like, wait a minute. If I'm looking at who's the better jujitsu guy. No offense to Donald, because I like his jujitsu, but all right, this is the better guy, and yet he doesn't win. So these, some of these tournaments are, are weird with the grappling because it doesn't represent who's the best grappler. I know I went all over the place, but my point, uh -huh. the question was, would you go back into that arena in the grappling realm after you're done with the MMA? Yeah, I think Matt. I think I've, uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm. I like to compete. I like to train, man. Even like when I don't have any fight coming out, uh, especially Jiu-Jitsu with Gi, I like yes. a lot. I've got, I won a, I won a Mundial in back in 2003, a purple belt. So, but I had to, I had to start uh, uh, MMA and uh, yeah. start as a brown belt, start fighting. So I stopped competing. Um, but that's something that I, that I want to do after, you know, uh, martial art, Jiu-Jitsu, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has given me so much. Everything I got started with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And, um, you know, I'm I'm planning to open my gym too. Like, you know, I thought, what I'm going to do after I'm done fighting? Am I going to open a, uh, a coffee place? Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, 
I want to give it back to the community. You know, martial arts changed my life and I want to change other people's life. And uh, I'm moving to Austin, Texas. Looking for, yeah, yeah. I'm in Austin, Texas now. We're going to see you. Oh, we're going to see you on uh, Joe Rogan's, I'm sure, before too long. Definitely. And then I'm looking for locations already. I have one in mind. I want to open my school over there. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. And of course, I want to compete. (laughs) Is it going to be a jujitsu school, an MMA school? I'll I'll do everything. I'll do everything. You know, I'll have Brazilian jiu-jitsu, probably judo classes too, uh, no gi, and uh, Muay Thai, uh, and of course, MMA. That's so great, man. Yeah. That's such a great career. If you listen, I that's me. If the that's what I do. Besides this podcast, I'm done, but I'm done fighting. I this morning I did the 7 a.m. class, I had over 30 guys in there. I it's just so much fun because yeah. you know, my wife is shocked that I get up and do the 7 a.m. class three days a week. I get up at like five o'clock. I go, look, I could come home after and I could take a nap. I'm not going to swing a hammer all day long. I'm going to show some people how to strangle people. It's such a, <laughs> it's such a great job. It's so great. I just feel like and, I'm- and, and you'll see like when people walk into the gym, they all like, you know, shy and they have like problems for relationships. And yes. once they start training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and uh, any type of martial arts, you can see that people change, you know. Uh, it's so good when you see that. And I've seen that- True. So many times and in my life, I, I teach Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu throughout my my purple belt, brown belt, and black belt. I had to stop because, of, you know, my fighting career. But yeah. what's so good, I see guys walking to the gym. They they no, don't even look you in the eye. They're like, oh, shy. But yeah. once they start training, you have their contact, physical contact. They change everything. It's true. It's yeah. the, I tell people all the time, it's the best form of therapy. And you could be at... Planet fist, uh, fitness on a, a <laughs> but you know, and then get looking forward to pizza night or whatever. But the thing is, you know, you're getting a workout in and you're becoming more dangerous at the same time. So it's a great yeah. thing. I, yeah. I'll tell you what I've noticed in my very brief time doing jujitsu. When, yes. when you walk in, like I went in yesterday and I was just really in a foul mood about something with work and you really don't think of anything else but what you are doing in the moment. Like, yeah. you, you, you're like, you know, you, I have a guy uh, you know, he's showing me how to strangle him and he's strangling. And it's like, all you're thinking of is exactly this thing that's happening. You're not thinking about work. It, it really is the, the only thing I've ever done that completely occupies your mind while you're doing it. It's so, amazing, man. Well, look, good luck on Saturday night. Uh, you've been through a lot of these main events, uh, a lot of five round fights. You're a veteran and a legend and you, you know, everything that somebody can possibly throw at you. So uh good luck to you man we love watching you fight and uh luke is a great fighter too and this is really uh he had a lot of great things to say about you a lot of respect for you so this will be a great fight and we hope you have a good one thank you thank you guys good talk to you yeah we'll talk to you again thank you sir very much take Take care man bye-bye that's great yeah um and, and it really is man you really don't think of anything except what you're doing uh, in the moment. And then when it's done, you're like, oh, yeah, I had this other thing that was annoying me, but now it's not annoying me anymore. So that's what the one the one benefit of it. And my hands are very sore today from gripping. Yeah. You're gripping a lot, huh? Well, yeah, with both hands, which is unnormal for me. Hey, Jimmy. What's up, Matt? The countdown is on. Ooh. And that's because UFE. UFE? 
Jimmy, guess what? <laughs> what man? The countdown is on. Yeah. And that's because the UFC is selecting one lucky fan to become a UFC matchmaker for a day. Not that? only that is awesome because not only does the winner of the matchmaker sweepstakes get to meet with Dana White and the matchmakers in Las Vegas, but the winner will also get two tickets to November's massive UFC 295 card at MSG in New York. Uh, two legends, of course, Stipe Miocic against the champ John Jones in Madison Square Garden in the main event. If you think you have what it takes, then put your matchmaking where your mouth is. For your chance to win, all you have to do is build your dream fight card. What a great promotion this is. Right. Your dream fight card. Go to UFC.com slash matchmaker. You got to do it before next Saturday's UFC 292 pay-per-view airs. That's August 19th. So do it before then. And you get a chance to win, uh, to go see uh, Jones and, 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 and Stipe fighting at Madison Square Garden. UFC.com slash matchmaker for your chance to win. Just call me Mick Maynard. Jimmy. Yes, uh, I had so much fun. Uh, I too. took this morning. Look at my Instagram. You can you can look. It's a, it's a little fast, but uh, on my story, I, I one of my favorite chokes is the uh, the bread cutter. Speaking of sourdough, it's fucking it's great, dude. It's from Crosside, Four Finger. I mean, I got into Pan Ams and uh, I tapped the guy and I had the four fingers underneath. He was from Baja. The instructor with the reference from Baja. And he goes, Oh, I didn't see it. Keep going. I go, Oh, fuck. Hensel goes, Get him again, Matt. And I had the four fingers in the scholar still. I went right back. Dude, that kid was, Tap. You better be tapping. Give me eight taps, cocksucker. <laughs> and he didn't admit that he tapped. No, he didn't admit that he tapped. But, yeah. uh, you know, we got him again. So, Jimmy, what a good time. Tonight, um, I'm going to be Fat Black Pussycat, 7 p.m. That show sells out every week if you want to come. This Saturday, I'm heading to uh, Albuquerque for the first time in years to do the Chemo Theater, one show Saturday night, and then the 28th of September, I am in um, Toronto. And I did a great episode of Kill Tony, some funny young comics on. Uh, it went up uh, Sunday, went up or Monday, went up Monday, uh, and it's up on uh, Kill Tony YouTube or go to uh, your mom's house, YouTube. I did something called the first uh, first date, uh, which was very good. I got to talk about dating a dominatrix. Very enjoyable. Ooh, dude, you get to squeeze your balls for free, huh? Yeah, I've had that done. Thank you, Vicente Luque. Thank you, Rafael Dos Anjos, for um, joining us. And uh, if you cut, you cannot about- cut Matt saying UFE. That must remain. Oh, no, please cut that. UFE. Hey, Matt uh, said UFE. So I, now you got to keep it. Yeah. Hey, man. I want to play matchmaker. I think it's fun. Jimmy, I don't know. I have to use the restroom. I had so much fun today. And I All right. Here's what we're going to match. Me. You're Heine to a toilet. That's the match for <laughs> Wait. Right. What, let's plug the, plug the fights this weekend. Yes. This Saturday night. Let me. I already closed my thing. Hold on. I'm so stupid. Hold on. I'll open it up right now. Uh, let me just get to the proper page to plug uh, Luke. A. There's some good fights too. Um, da, 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 da. Okay, yes. Luke versus Dos Anjos is this Saturday, uh, of course, from Vegas. Let me see what time it starts. Prelims at 4 o'clock Eastern time, 7 p.m. main card. Nice and early. And uh, Cub Swanson against Hakeem Dawadu is a great co-main. And Chris Dawkins against Khalil Roundtree. That's a fucking great third fight. This is a really, really good card. Um, this Saturday starts 
4 p.m., 7 p.m. main card. Jimmy, Goodbye, I, almost, I almost can't wait till next week when we do this show all over again. I cannot wait for these next four days because I know they're getting closer to Monday. <laughs> I'll probably FaceTime you before then because we have so much fun. Jimmy, enjoy yes, your time tonight at that fat plaque pussycat. I will. Enjoy the toilet. Thank you. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye. Goodbye.